0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman Jeff Trunapole. And as always, a you sports from a west side point of view, right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the first place Cincinnati Reds. Now you do me a favor if you found the show. Hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. Up to 2,233 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button at the bell for the notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chats, we're doing Super Chat. So if you got something you want to ask Red's Hall of Famer, well, he's going to be in the Hall of Famer in a couple weeks. Red's Hall of Famer, Bronson Royal. Give me a Super Chat. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from this glorious place down here. It's the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property manager needs and your rental needs. And you know what? We're talking baseball today, but I always got to promote the best quarterback in football. That's Jackpot Joey. You can get your gear at jackpotjoey9.com. The beers come back out in about, about two weeks. We got the flags. We got hats. We got all kinds of stuff. Remember, portions of the proceeds. Go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund. All right, guys. I appreciate you hanging on, waiting. You know, We had some technical, technical difficulties sometimes. Computers just don't want to work the way they should. Anyway, let's get to the reason we're all here. He's none other than Red's Hall of Famer, Bronson Royal. Bronson, what's going on, man?
1: Just hanging out, man. Getting ready for the induction.
0: Exactly. Are you getting excited? I mean, I'm excited for you. I'm happy me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, i got a bunch of friends and family coming in town, and and I married a hometown girl, so, you know, there's a bunch of her family here as well. So, it's it should be a good time, man. It's also... You know, what a great time. I mean, I, I could have been inducted, you know, maybe a year ago, or a couple of years ago when COVID was going on and right. wouldn't have had the ability to have people in the ballpark for one. And now the team is doing so well. There's an excitement and there's a buzz back in the city for the first time in 10 years for this team. And it should be, should be a great day, especially with Milwaukee being in town and those guys kind of dog fighting it out for first place.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, my son, were at uh, LA De la Cruz's first game and um my son he said, and I thought it was kind of interesting, he said the last time he felt that much electric was clinchmas, 2010, when Jay Bruce hit the walk-off home run. You obviously were there. That's the kind of electric we have going on in, in the city right now, and you're right. It's awesome that you get to get inducted into the Hall of Fame at this time. I think it's a perfect time, but how exciting is it watching this team right now? I know you've done some broadcasting and stuff for the Reds in the past, but you, what, what's your thoughts on the on the team and how these young guys are playing right now?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a – it's a it's, a, it's a, a lucky batch of guys. Now, I am going to say lucky because there's obviously scouts that, you know, have made a lot of different trades, and, and it's a lot of thought has gone into putting these players together. But it's really hard to get this many young guys to be clicking and feel comfortable at the big league level all at the same time. And that hasn't happened here in a really, really long time. And, and to be able to hold it down, even with the pitching staff, that's been a little iffy, um, is so hard to do from an offensive standpoint. It was part of the reason why I thought we fell short of winning a World Series when I was here especially in 2012, was the fact that we had a lot of guys that were swing and miss guys. And this team is a bunch of grinders. They remind me of a, of a St. Louis Cardinals team where guys don't strike out a lot. They're not looking to hit a long ball. You know, this team for a long time has survived on home runs. And right now they're doing all of it without a lot of home runs. And um, it's just a joy to see them stealing bases. You know, it's a different culture. It's a different vibe. And everybody
0: down in that locker room is having a great time. I've been down
1: there hanging out with the guys a little bit. And uh, it's just been, it's been a joy to turn on the TV every night and watch the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely now you know we, we talked about the uh, lack of pitching here you know any, any chance you got a, a couple of innings left of your arm might need you to come out of the bullpen you know? <laughs> no yeah are- i
1: tell you what if, if i didn't have a tear in my shoulder i think i definitely couldn't but <laughs> with that tear i pitched a couple of innings against the savannah bananas in tampa a couple of months ago and i'll tell you what my, my arm my elbow my shoulder didn't want any any part of that anymore
0: i'm glad you brought that up that was one of the questions i wanted to ask you about how in the world did that happen and for people who don't know who the bananas are I guess go ahead and explain who they are and you were pitching against them if I'm if I'm correct right
1: yeah so MLB put together they basically gave me a call the MLB Alumni Association was putting together an old retired Major League Baseball team to play against the Bananas in Tampa and a couple different places like Atlanta and Savannah and so I signed up for the one they said they needed a couple innings out of me so I went down there and it was it was cool to be with guys like Nick Swisher and and um, just kind of play against uh, the Banana style of baseball which was totally different and very <laughs> very it kind of Kind of difficult to, to keep up with in a lot of ways. I mean, we had in my second inning of pitching, we had second and third and one out. And if a run scores, it's like the bottom of the ninth every time, every inning. So you're, you're playing per inning. It's okay. not like a regular game. So so we hit a ground ball and instead of they tried to turn the double play, it was actually first and third. They tried to turn the double play and the run scored anyway. And the inning was over. So it was, uh, you know, you had to kind of get used to that style of play. But, to, but it was a fun day to see how they do things and the guys dancing and men. Talk about excitement in a stadium. I mean, these people were in the rain waiting for the gates to open for a couple hours before that game. It's pretty special.
0: Yeah, I heard – I think they count if if the fans catch a foul ball. I think that's an out, too, or something like that they said. Yeah,
1: fans catch a foul ball. It's an out. If you walk, you can run constantly around the bases until the team throws the ball around the horn, including the outfielders. It's like – yeah, it's bananas, man. It's, it's, it's a it's a good show, man. And kids are coming, and they don't even care that Bronson Roy and Nick Swisher are there. They're talking about their favorite banana players, <laughs> guys that are dancing out of the field and doing some crazy stuff. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds like, like a good time. You, they didn't ask you to get out there and bring your guitar out there and entertain them or anything, they did you? Yeah, I good. did, actually. That oh, did was you? the best okay. part of the
1: day. I took my acoustic guitar. I was coaching third base in the seventh inning. I played Ed she- <laughs> uh, an Ed Sheeran song called Shivers. And the guys already knew a dance to that, so the team was dancing on the field too, and the crowd was singing along with it. I mean, that that was a, that was a joy.
0: Oh, dude, that's awesome! I got I got to look that. I'm sure there's some YouTube videos or something yes, out that, there. I mean, I, I got to look that. Up. That's not, how long ago was it that you did that? It wasn't that long ago, was it?
1: That was in April, yeah. So it was right around spring training, uh, the beginning of the season, and they. You know, they sold out two back-to-back nights there in Tampa at the uh, Yankees Complex for spring training, and yeah. they're going after big league ballparks next year. So I would expect them to be negotiating with the Reds, and I believe you're going to get a you're going to get a pack uh, Major League Baseball Stadium with a Bananas game next year.
0: Oh, dude, they're, they're here. I'm going to go see them. The, the funny thing is, so I just I was on vacation, and I was talking to some of my friends down there, and I said, yeah, I said, I got, a, I got hey, Bronson Royal going to be on my show. I like, oh, that's cool. Like, and then one of them goes, oh, he pitched against the Bananas. I go, he pitched against a what? Because like, I'd never heard of him. I didn't know, it. and then he started telling me about him. Like, oh, dude, this sounds cool. I'm like, I gotta ask him about this. Like, when when did they start doing this? You know, it's been a few years now. They actually were
1: playing in in the league that they were in, and they won the league a couple of times. But the owner of the team, Jesse, he just realized that he had lightning in a bottle here, man. And he they went out on tour, and it's it's kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters now, where right. they travel with the team nice. called the Party Animals, and they kind of got the shtick down, and guys are doing stuff. I mean. Center fielder in our game, you know, caught a line drive in mid-game and caught it and did a backflip at the same time. I mean, like they're they're doing some pretty spectacular stuff, and uh, there's a lot of dance routines and right. some of it's all choreographed, but but it's bringing a buzz to the stadium that I haven't felt in a really long time. It's it's like uh, these kids are, you know, they're buying sweatshirts
0: and T-shirts like they're going to a rock <laughs> show, man. It's fun. Exactly. It sounds like a lot of fun. We got a question from uh, the chat here, which you guys got a question from Bronson. Just put it in the chat here. Jim Schroeder here wants to chance your prize, your role, your vocal performance of the JTM commercial anytime soon. I think we got to ask that question last time you were on the show.
1: Yeah. You (laughs) know, I just, I had a buddy, I was on vacation in Costa Rica with my wife's family the other day and, uh, my brother in law, he was like his friends were like, they really wanted a video of that song. So I figured it out the chords while I was playing the guitar and kinda of gave him a little gave him a little verse and chorus of the of the song. But uh it's always fun to uh to kind of think about JTM, man. Because when we did that commercial, we didn't think anything of it. And right. now me
0: and Chris Welsh will honestly just be belly laughing,
1: talking about the day we filmed that and watching some of that stuff
0: back. Yeah, Chris Welsh got a tear in his eye and you're singing along, dude. That's like an iconic commercial now. It's like I wonder if you, how many you get asked about that probably more than that anything else sometimes it seems like
1: yeah yeah it's 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 almost like gone down in folklore in a lot of ways you know it's, <laughs> it's something that worth maybe doing like a a short you know like a, a little tiny short documentary on man because it, 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 it's, it's yeah. a, it was a it was a funny thing because i actually we were supposed to film it earlier in the year and i wind up being at the stadium on an off day and i i exploded this glass bottle that had cheerios in it and it cut my hand really bad and dr Kremchek <laughs> had to put me under and and sew my hand up so we had to come back during spring training and it was a whole ordeal
0: <laughs> you need to do a thirty for thirty on it. the the JTM brought to the world yeah, yeah. commercial. So uh, let let's just get back to, to the the Reds Hall of Famer. Now, how did you find out? I mean, that you 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 got in. Did you know it was a possibility, or did it was a complete surprise, or how did that whole thing come out that you, you found out you're going into the Reds Hall of Fame?
1: Yeah, I no, I, I knew I probably was going to be up on the ballot pretty early on after um, retirement, whenever it was kind of available. You know, I mean, putting up put up 108 wins for this team. Oh, yeah quite a long time you know and, and amassed some numbers that are you know in the top 10 of the organization of all time so I assumed I'd get in there I didn't know when it was but um once they told me I was on the ballot I, I assumed I'd probably slide in there and Rick Walls who runs the Reds Hall of Fame does a great job over there and and uh, he gave me a call and said we're gonna announce it tomorrow I just wanted to let you know before anybody else and you know, I didn't really realize I've been in the hall a couple of times to take some friends and I knew it was probably the best Hall of Fame in the game. Right. Um, just a, just a really quality museum. It gives you a special feeling being in there. But I didn't realize it was only 90 people in, in the Hall of Fame. So mm-hmm. uh, being the 91st person and thinking about guys like Johnny Bench and Joe Morgan and Pete Rose, guys I've become friends with over the last 15 years. To, to, to be standing, you know, in, in company with those guys is just absolutely remarkable and and something you don't think about when you're playing. When you play the right. game, you think about how long can I survive? How much money can I make? What are the numbers on the back of my baseball card going to look like when I'm done playing this game? But you never think about being in a museum for the right. rest of eternity, you know, with, right. with a, a busk of your face on the side of a plaque that's standing next to some of the giants of the game. It's, it's pretty awesome.
0: That's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I, I can't remember who. Who said it? Somebody who recently got into the Hall of Fame said that. I think it was actually it was Sean Casey. I think he said it. Uh, it was one of the most prestigious halls to get into, in his opinion, just because of the history of the Reds and, like you said, the the, the Hall actual Hall of Famers that we have in that are in our own Hall of Fame that played, you know, for this team and just the history of it. And you know, it, it is it is one of the coolest Hall of Fames I, I think around. I, I really like it. And once you actually like say think about it, like, but after you mere long gone, your bus could still go be in there, and people are like, yeah, that's Bronson Royal. Yeah, he was. He's a pretty good pitcher for the Reds, like, yeah, I'm like that's I, I think that's pretty cool,
1: yeah, it's great. You know, I mean, you, you, you think about legacy sometimes. You know, I, I just put out a record in February, and, and part of it, part of that is to leave, you know, somewhere in the ether in the cloud, the ability to download a song that I would have had my voice on that maybe some distant relative in your family will listen to long before they're ever going to pop in a VCR tape and watch an old baseball game um but you know being in 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 the Reds Hall of Fame there I mean it it, without question if if fans haven't been in there I mean it's interactive there's things you can do with kids that is pretty cool they put you in the booth and you can act like you're an announcer like Jim Day or somebody but also to walk back in the hall and you can you you feel you feel like you're in a spaceship in in a way like in Star Trek or something and and you can type in any player's name on this computer and immediately Joe Z's voice just comes booming out over the, the, the TVs and you see someone's basically the highlights of their career and, and all the plaques on the wall have a white ring of light around them. And when your name has been punched in the computer, it glows red around you and stays there while it's being played. And it's such a, such a neat thing, man. I wish I would have walked in there actually more when I was a player, but now going in as a retired guy and checking it out, it, it's something special. And for me to be, Sitting in that baby for the rest of my, uh for the rest of eternity, man. As long right. as the Cincinnati Reds exist, it's, it's right. just so cool.
0: That is cool. Now, now they have a uh, a gala and everything. Because I've never actually got to go to the to the event. I'd love to go sometime. Do they? Because that—that's actually when you get inducted. Is that what it is, or is it actually on the field? I, I can't remember how how it actually happens.
1: I don't know what they consider it, but you do both things. So they'll okay. be uh, on the fifteenth before the game against the Brewers—a night game. I'll be on the field with all the Hall of Famers that come back wearing the red jackets, mm-hmm. Johnny Bench and all the boys, and and I'll be out there on the podium, kind of speaking to the stadium as the game is kind of getting getting going, and and uh, people are you know f- filing in. So you know you don't get a captive crowd sometimes, but. It's, all, it's always awesome to be in, in the field and have the guys in the dugout. And then the next night on Sunday the 16th, after the day game, all the players will put on a suit and they'll come to the, to the gala. And I've done that quite a few times as a player. And you just sit there. It's basically like a, a big banquet or a dinner. And you're watching kind of a production up on the stage. And myself and Danny Graves will be the guys up there speaking. And they'll also, you know, they bring some of the old timers back. And they also bring back um sometimes they have surprises like maybe they're going to show you uniforms for for next year or something they do, they do different things on different years and we've got a couple surprises up our sleeve this year that people will know about so it should be a fun night and that that's where I think it'll be a little bit more intimate where I get an opportunity to really talk to the crowd talk to the guys on the team kind of share stories of childhood and what it means to be you know where you came from and how, how you really um got got to where you could be in a hall of fame anywhere and and, right. and on the field on the 15th i think it'll be more about you know thanking the coaches and organization right. Right. and and people that have made me feel comfortable especially in the city
0: so what i've never had a hall of fame jacket nor, nor will i ever get one but uh when you get yours where are you going to put it, Is it you got a special spot you, you you're going to keep it in the house or, or you haven't figured that out yet I think you got to keep this thing on tap because, uh, they,
1: <laughs> I think, the, I think the hall kind of comes calling for you. Once you get one of those red jackets, yep. they want you to show up to some events. So, yep. um, you know, when you see guys like Barry Larkin and Eric Davis coming back and wearing the red jacket and it, right. you know, it's, it's part of a club now. And, and whenever they have any kind of hall of fame induction or anything for anybody else, I'm always going to be there. Cause I live in town most of the year. And, and, uh, you know, the red, the red jacket comes in handy. I had them come measure me up the other day and I was thinking, you know, he was saying, hey, your, your jacket's a lot tighter and kind of more form-fitting than most of these guys. And I said, I know, because guys like Eric Davis, they wore stuff really baggy back in the 90s. And I said,
0: "Exactly." Oh, I'm looking for a European cut these days. So, so uh, <laughs> I came over and got it fit nice. Exactly. Got to get it nice and tailored. So how many of your teammates are, are in the Hall of Fame now? Larkin's in there, uh, Dunn. Yeah,
1: Adam, Adam Dunn's the only guy I've played with, I think, that's probably in, other than Griffey Jr. But I, I think Griffey went into Cooperstown. I don't believe, I don't know if they've I don't think they inducted him into the Reds Hall of Fame.
0: No, not, not, not the Reds. Not, the, not that I know of. I think
1: it's just Dunn is the only guy I've played with that has gone in.
0: Well, like, well, Casey, you played with Casey, right?
1: Oh yeah, no, I didn't play with Casey. So I feel like I played with Casey, but he was a Red before I was a Red, and he went to the really? Red Sox just as I left. So it was like oh. we did a little bit of a swap, but okay. like, we never actually played together. And a lot of people think I played with Danny Graves as well, and I was a pirate then, so we never played together either.
0: Wow, that was another one I thought you played with. Okay, that because that, that was a lot of when guys were coming and going, so I wasn't you know I couldn't remember who who actually was your teammates. I got a question here from uh Eric here. Let's see, let's put this up here. Uh, which player gave you the toughest AB throughout your career?
1: Yeah, you know there was there's always some kind of like there's the obvious choices which is like a Barry Bonds and an Albert Pools, and if I had to say who would I not want to see at the plate? For the meat and potatoes of my career, would have been Albert because I had to face him a lot more than anybody and else. He
0: always, and he always killed us. No matter Yeah. Well,
1: he killed always, everybody. He killed everybody. I, I mean, know. For a decade there, he basically went, you know, 330 and 100 and, right. and, and hit the ball harder than anybody on the planet on the screws all the time. But but if, if I'm talking about guys that are kind of like just are pesky and just had a hard time, you know, I had a hard time getting them out even though they weren't the best player in the game. Sin Chu absolutely destroyed me. When he's with the Cleveland Indians, and then after we traded Felipe Lopez, who was my teammate, I couldn't get him out for a couple of years. So, you know, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's uh, usually it would have been a left-handed batter for me, right. and uh, and just be guys that just I guess just saw the ball off you really well. And then there would be there would be some other guys that you think you know should do well against you, and they could never get a hit off you. I mean. Uh, Jose Altuve is zero for thirteen off me. I think I'm the only pitcher who's ever faced him more than ten times that he didn't get a hit off of. So you, you know, sometimes it's just matchups just don't make sense sometimes. Right
0: now, I got a question for you. How did you? And I always call it the 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 iconic kick. You know the the of, of your of your your pitching stance. This right here. How did you come up with or not come up, but how did your your technique become the way you threw it? You know, the high leg kick that you'd say throwing frisbees up there. Like, how did you develop that? You know, I, I was. As a kid, 1985,
1: 1986, I was I was living down in the Keys. My parents were from Key West and we had a satellite dish long before anybody had one. And you kind of got a bunch of weird stations. And for some reason, my parents became Mets fans. So we were watching the New York Mets all the time. And Dwight Gooden was just a stud in 84 and 85. Mm -hmm. And I was right around the time I started, you know, learning to pitch a little bit in Little League. And so that high leg kick that Dwight Gooden had is just what my body kind of morphed out of observing him and over the years, I found it very efficient to just kind of use my foot to flick my leg up and be very relaxed and kind of easy, um, throwing strikes, trying to conserve energy. And that's kind of where it came from. It just became kind of like a tempo thing. It wasn't for any specific reason of like guys used to joke, like, is it just sh- distract the batters with your foot out there or anything? It was just <laughs> it was just comfort over time. And you, right. when you do something from the time you're six until you're, you know, by the time you're 20, you just have a really hard time changing things. Right. And so you just kind of stick with what you got.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think it worked out pretty good for you, Bronson. I think th- I think he did all right with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's let's talk about. I'm wearing a shirt here. The, another guy's probably going to be in the Reds Hall of Fame and in the hall and in the Hall of Fame itself. Joseph Daniel Vado. That's what like, everybody likes uh, calling him. Um, what was it like playing with him? And and and, and what what are your thoughts on where he's ha- at now? What he's doing at his age with you know coming back from basic reconstructive arm surgery without you know, technical uh, terms, but I, what what's your just thoughts in, on, on uh, Joey Vado?
1: You know, he was, a, he was a really good teammate in a lot of ways. You know, Joey's a little introverted, and he, he's very smart, very studious, very funny and witty when he's comfortable to be around you, but he could be a little awkward kind of like being around, um, you know, strangers. And he's obviously pushed through that over the last couple of years and doing a lot of stuff in the community and being out there with these kids' baseball teams and stuff. And he didn't do a lot of that earlier on in his career, and he's – He's probably one of the most dedicated guys to the craft I've ever seen as far as baseball, taking care of his body and kind of resting and thinking about nothing else but the game. I mean, he was never out at a bar, never out at a club, just ballpark and home. That's all he, he ever did, you know, and um, he thinks about hitting 24 seven. And I think he's starting to loosen up a little bit. But, you know, we all feel that near the end of our career and you want to kind of pass on some things to the next generation. And so he's having to be a leader in the clubhouse and a guy that people look to and sometimes. When you become that leader in the clubhouse, you're not physically leading, but you're mentally leading, you know, and Joey is Joey's at a point where I'm sure he can feel his mortality on the field. His bat speed is probably not what it used to be. He still can be productive, but not quite as consistent as he probably wants to be, you know, and it's it's part flexibility, it's part age, you know, your testosterone's going down. There's just a lot of things that slowly degrade over time that you don't quite um, can't really put your finger on all the time because in the weight room, you'll feel just as strong as you always have. Right. But, but, but on the field, there's something just a tick missing. And I think, you know, I'm hoping Joey gets to play as long as he wants to, whether it's, you know, one more year or a couple more. Um, and because now that we've got the DH, he mm-hmm. can also rest off the field a little bit and just kind of go in and take some at bats if he wants to. But uh, overall, man, great teammate. Always enjoy having a good conversation with Joey Bottom.
0: Now that you brought the DH the, the up there, are, are you in favor or were you a pitcher that, that wanted to hit, or you, or you could care less to hit? You just wanted to go pitch.
1: You know, it's a double edged sword because if you love, if you really love staying out on the mound, you know, if your at bat comes up and it's tie game in the sixth, and you know you got a left a couple of innings left in the tank on the mound, you get pulled out for them to pinch hit you, right. it'll drive you crazy. But. On the other side of that, I really loved the strategy of the game. I loved running the bases because I could do it better than most. I love putting butts down. You know, I love pitching to the nine-hole hitter because you could pitch around the eight-hole guy and do some things out there strategically to try to get through a lineup. But um, if I had to choose for an entire career, I I probably would have said, you know what? I'll give up the at bats because I want to pitch 220 innings right. every year, and, and I'll be able to get deeper in ball games if I don't have to worry about that. Pro- probably, if I had to choose one or the other, I'd do that. But I tell you what, hitting a home run as a as a, as a starting pitcher in the major leagues, it doesn't, you don't get that feeling many times, man. When you float around the bases, man, it's it's like winning the lottery. You you hit one, didn't you? I hit six homers in my career. Oh,
0: yeah. I, 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 was just, I thought you hit, 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 hit at least one. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah, we hit a few. I, I hit one that opening day that I was a red for the first time, and then yes. I backed it up five days later with another one in Chicago and hit it out on Waveland Avenue out of the stadium. And I'm telling you, man, it's like you could win 20 games and you're not going to match the feeling of being almost like that 10 year old kid who popped one out of the park for the first time. It's that amazing of a feeling.
0: you floating around the bases while, while you're running, right? You don't even feel yeah, the ground. <laughs> yeah, you hear nothing but your footsteps, especially on the
1: road, and it's a quiet crowd, and people are looking at you like, "How in the hell did that guy?" You <laughs> right.
0: That guy hit a home run off of us. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, I, we had to hang out a couple months ago. You're up, we're up at the Pirates' Den. You had your uh, your band up there, which is I had an absolute blast out there. Um, and you said you had a, a a new album coming out. What, what, what is that already out? Oh, I think it is. It was out then, right?
1: Yeah, I put the album out in, in uh, mid-February yes. and uh, it's called Some Might Say. You can find it on any place you stream your music, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you go. Um, it's 10 songs that, that you know, st- stories straight out of my, my brain with a, with a bunch of guys I'd known for 20 years out in Los Angeles. A bunch of musicians from New England we all met when we were, uh, when I was a Red Sox. And uh, so the name of the band is called Bronson Arroyo and the O4. Yep, And, uh, you know, these are stories um, that most of them I wrote about, just historical things. There's a song that I wrote about kind of visiting Cuba, finding where my family was from and, and the revolution from the 50s. And, and um, you know, it wasn't a lot of personal stuff in there. But the, the thread line that goes through the whole album is kind of the optimism of Bronson Roy, which is just, you know, be present tense, live in the moment. Life will go by quickly and we all will die. So you better enjoy the ride. And so, um, you know, I felt like I had some stories I wanted to tell and we put that out and it, it's been fun.
0: Yeah, it was, it was it was it's a really good good uh album there. I'm dating myself calling it an album CD whatever the, whatever the kids call it now. I still call it an album. My my kids are like, what's an album? I'm like, it's a vinyl. But shut up. No doubt. Well, I've, <laughs> I've got I've got the uh
1: the, the game use shop up at the Reds and the Hall of Fame shop. They're both selling CDs and vinyl records of mine oh, that cool. I've signed. Some signed and some are unsigned, but they're going to be selling them this whole year. And uh, they're they're going they're going well. They're I and they're flying off the shelves a little bit. But just the artwork. Of a nice vinyl record, if yes. you have a record player at home, man, yes. it's worth picking it up. It's it's really a beautiful piece of
0: art. Now, now I, say, I, I should I should clarify that my daughter's one that says it because my son's watching. He's like, wait a second, because he, he actually has a record and he likes vinyls and he's a Beatles fan. So, right. I, I have more of the vinyls. More my my daughter, my son who's twenty three and moved out of the house now, but he's he's got a uh, he likes a vinyl and he, right. he. You and him get along well, I think. You, your your taste in music, I think, would be a, are are very similar. Very so, cool. <laughs> um, so. Uh, by the way, how much time you got? I don't want to keep any 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 longer. We've been on for like twenty. I got minutes. I got a few more minutes. Okay, cool. All right, so I do want to get back to the, this Reds team, and um, and I know you've done some uh, broadcasting with the Reds in the past. Or is there anything come up anytime soon? Because they just had uh Kevin Frazier on, or Kevin Frazier, <laughs> uh, Todd Frazier on uh, the radio here uh, a couple weeks ago. Are, are you going to be doing that again? Join Tommy Thraw in the booth again anytime soon? Or I
1: don't think so. You know, um. You know, they've got an abundance of guys over there over the years. You, you hear them in the off seasons kind of jockeying for spaces, whether it's Chris Welsh or Sam LeCure or Jim Day and where they're going to slot in and the Cowboy and who's going to do what and where. And to be honest, I mean, for one, you need to be studied up on the game. You need to pay attention every day, which I, I try to watch most of the games, but, but I don't intently watch it. And there's also, you know, there's something that is impossible to know about a players in the locker room unless you play with them on a day-to-day basis. Even though I can go down and play some music for these guys, I don't know them the way that I used to know a guy like Drew Stubbs. And when you know people on a personal level and you shower with them every day and you go out with them at night, you know everything about them. It's very easy to just go there and wing it off the top of the head. But I can't do that with this next generation of player because I don't know them intimately like that. So I either going to have to do a lot of work and study and also – I, I feel like they have enough guys over there and I don't want to be stepping on people's toes. I made a lot of money in the game and I'm not looking to take somebody's job that could <laughs> use a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, more than I can every year. And so right. I try to stay out of it. If they need me to pop into the booth to do like, you know, an inning or two for fun. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't want to go over there and take anybody's job. <laughs>
0: well, I, I enjoyed when you, you were on you were on there with them. That, that was your insight. stuff so you, you had to say the stories. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I always like when they bring they had Casey come on, they've had Todd Frazier, they've had you on. At different times they bring different people in. And I always like, that's one thing I like, bringing, which I think the Reds have done a great job almost all the time, is bringing the the veterans back, the, the guys who, who, who built what we had, you know, from you guys to the big red machines, all that. I think they do an awesome job. Have you uh, been able to go down to spring training? Have they invited you to do that, to work with the pitchers or anything like that?
1: I've been to spring a couple of times, just popping through for a day. Sometimes we've, like, run meetings. Um, talk to some of the younger guys about what it'll be like to play at the big league level. In the last few years, I hadn't been out there since COVID basically kind of through a monkey wrench and everything. And, and um, I was out there this spring, I was playing a show at Innings Festival and that record I was putting out, we played a show and um, Eddie Vetter was headlining that. I was called Innings Fest and I popped into the stadium the next day and uh, played some songs for the guys and told a few stories um, and they were having talent day and uh, Joey Votto opened that one up with a little karaoke of Toby Keith <laughs> and uh, and so it's always fun and that's why i've been getting out of the locker room a little bit this year i'm gonna be down there a little bit more coming up um i play the music for the guys sometimes just kind of chat with some guys you know i had good conversation with Ashcraft the other day you you know if guys are struggling you're trying to figure out you know maybe you can say one little thing to them in a five-minute conversation that can maybe you know change the way they think about something to, to help um but other than that you know it's like they've got a whole they've got a whole team these days, you know, back in the old days, there was one hitting coach and one pitching coach. And now you've got an assistant of everything and they've got the computer guys and the statistics and they're doing such a great job down there. Most locker rooms, honestly, the only thing I can really bring to the table is that I pitch pitch so far outside the box that I can maybe help some guys on a theory about breaking balls or something, but um, we get to have those conversations, but I definitely don't stop down um, as regular, you know, as, as some of the coaching staff, that's for sure.
0: I got a question here from, uh, I like his name. I, I like Bacon. I like Bacon, too. Uh, he said, uh, brought uh do you have a favorite Reds catcher? Some of you like throwing to, because we got three of them right now, and that's a big thing with the Reds is if we need three. We all want to get CES up here, but. Did, did you have a favorite catcher? Because you didn't have a personal one, if I remember. You, you had somebody you, you did throw to a lot. I can't remember. Well, I was. had. So when I first got traded
1: here, uh, Jason LaRue was the everyday catcher up to that point. Right. He had a little bit of a knee injury when I first got traded in 06, and David Ross had just got traded over at the same time. Right. And d- me and David pitched my very uh, my, my last outing of spring training. It was only two weeks left in spring when I got traded from the Red Sox. I went back down and pitched against my old teammates which was such a strange game to pitch against the guys you just got traded from pitching right. against the red Sox and ESPN. I think I go seven innings, no runs, 10 punch outs. And so Jerry Nehring was the manager at the time. And he asked me, he said, Hey, do you want David to catch you? You guys look like you really clicked. And I was like, absolutely. And so we got off to such a great start. No six, I started the season like seven and one. And I was getting, I mean, I was pitching eight, nine innings every single night. I threw 240 innings that year and um, you know, David became kind of my personal catcher, but because we were having so much success, a lot of other pitchers started to kind of grovel inside the locker room being like, hey, I'd love him to catch me too, because they really loved his defensive style, the way he could throw the ball and the way he called the game. And so David kind of became a starting catcher in the game because of our relationship. And then he kind of parlayed that to the Red Sox and over to the Cubs to catch Lester. But um, I'd say David Ross and then Ryan Hannigan, when David left, kind of took that that, – roll on with me and, and I just loved guys who really dedicated themselves to the defensive side of the ball. Right. I I always had a hard time pitching to guys who were really offensive players. Let's say like a Mike Piazza mm-hmm. who really thought of catching as the secondary part of their game, but right. got guys like Ross and Hannigan. They were both my favorites, man. They, they really thought about the defensive side of the ball and it was really fun.
0: Now I, I give it to the reds right now. So with them having the three catcher system, which the whole plan was this to keep Tyler in to to not catch you know he was going to dh he's gonna play first base well then that's kind of got thrown out the door with all all the young guys that have come up and they're playing so well we have another young guy down in minor league ces who's, who's bang on the door should be up here already it seems like the reason he's not is because of the three catchers and and i think that there are some pitchers that like pitching to certain catchers here and and two of them are the are the backups what's your is that like, how legit is that is that something where the reds should just go okay we're going to cut uh, Mally, we're going to cut uh, Castillo, wh- wh- whoever it is, whichever one, and we're going to bring up CES. Or should they really consider, is it, really, is it that big of a deal for a pitcher? He's that comfortable to to keep the three catchers instead of bringing somebody up? Or, or, or What's your thoughts on that?
1: You know, it, I'm not down in that locker room, like I said, every day. It's really hard to know where uh, where the angle is of why they want to have the three catchers. You know, when we've had three catchers in the past when I played, it was because the one-third guy was kind of really like a DH slash first baseman who could catch but rarely ever did you know you've got kind of a different situation here because Casale is still really like an everyday catcher if he wanted to be mm-hmm. um and they're, they're all true catchers even Stevenson in a way you know it, it, you don't think of him really in any other position except for first base once in a blue moon so you know I don't, I don't know what the angle really is um there's reasons for it for sure I mean right. between that that one extra player between being somebody who can play different positions or if you're having that extra pitcher, but see the league has now put limits on how many relief pitchers you can have where in the past you could have extras, So they have less wiggle room. And then you also have so many guys on this Reds roster now that can play multiple positions that normally when you say, Oh, Stevenson can play first base, but now you've got, you know, I remember earlier this year, I was looking at the lineup and I was like, there's six guys on the field that were drafted as middle infielders. And two of them are playing in the outfield. One's playing third base and one's playing first. And so, You've got such an athletic kind of team right. that can play all over the place. You know, there's a reason they have those three guys, and it probably won't stay that way for the whole year. Something will happen, and they'll probably switch, and then maybe you'll get them back later in the season or something. But, um, you know, you'd have to talk to David Bell exactly to know why that they're doing that.
0: Well, that, that's that, he's coming on the show tomorrow, so I'll, I'm going to ask him. I'm totally kidding. He's not, he's not coming on tomorrow. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's funny because I remember when they started making these trades and everything, and, and – and people get upset. They're like, oh, my goodness, how many shortstops do you need? How many middle infielders do you need? I'm like, if you can play shortstop, you can play pretty much anywhere, in my, my opinion. So you, if they, they can hit, you can always move them around, which that's what these guys have done. And, and I mean, what Spencer Steer has done is I, I think it's just been invaluable to the team, playing first base, third base. And then he volunteered to go out and play the outfield. You know, he, I don't think he's played it, in, you know, like probably in, maybe in college or something he might have played, but he never played in the in the uh, minors that I know of. And he just volunteered to do that. Th- that's what's so awesome about this team that Bronson is like, okay, let's just put this. Way. Elliot Ben Cruz got invited to go to the, the uh, home hitting contest. He turned it down because he said he wanted to get ready for, you know, the second half of the season. The maturity of these guys show is is phenomenal. I've just never seen guys this young be this guy. You said it's kind of like, I'd say getting a lottery ticket, which is basically what we did. We had five guys come up and they're rookies and they're playing like veterans and they're and they're making decisions like veterans. I, I don't, is it the new kind of a baseball mentality for these guys or are these just guys just built different? I think it's,
1: I think it's a mixture of, of a couple of things, you know, Um, and I totally agree with what you're saying. If, for me, if you just watch the interviews, these guys are given after the game guys like Abbott, right? De La Cruz, even, even the translations that they're giving, these guys are all, giving you an interview that I would have given in that locker room. You know, there's no fluff to it. There's no, there's no sugarcoating things. They're taking responsibility for their failures. They're giving credit to other guys, but they're also giving you subtleties that a lot of people just brush over in an interview. They give you the cliche answer. These guys are giving you real answers. They're giving you, you know, like, you know, why I want, I did X, Y, and Z in the game because mm-hmm. I was conserving this one little thing. Like, if you listen to a lot of these guys, they're very, very mature. And I, and I saw that um, I saw that out of, you know, Joe Burrows after they lose the right. Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that immediately told me that there's maturity there. And when you see that, you have the ability to take a player like that and project him out so he can survive in the game for a decade, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. oh, great. I, I really
1: believe that a lot of these young guys have a, a chance to play for a long time because of the. Because what I'm seeing from them on the maturity side mentally, and, and I, I think it's partly to do with the fact of just evolution of a different style of player, right? We've learned from the past. We, you know, When I first got called up in 2000, it was a generation of guys doing steroids and taking speed, spending money, driving fast cars, and hitting a bunch of homers. Right. Then, then the next generation came in and was like, oh, I don't want to waste my money like that. I've heard all these horror stories. Let's take care of my body a little bit better. I'm going to drink less. I'm going to stay in my room and play Xbox. I'm not going to go to the club as much, right? You right. just continue to see this evolution. And these guys now understand the weight room. They understand statistics of the game. They understand running speed. They understand how to give an interview, right? They know how to take care of their body. And you're just seeing that across the board. And that is also, you know, hats off to, to the Red Scouting Department for, for picking and choosing guys who have character.
0: Yeah, like you say, you, you brought up uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. That, that's what I've compared this team. A lot of people have been on my show have compared this team to like the twenty twenty one Bengals, and I keep saying, you know, these guys don't know what they don't know. You know, what I mean, they don't know they're not supposed to do this. They don't know they're, they're not supposed to come up here and, and 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 play awesome. I mean, that's that's what they expect. And and like you, when you guys had the twenty twelve team, and, and that run, you guys went on the field and you expected to win every game. That's where these guys are at, and you know uh, two months ago beginning beginning of the season I don't think it was like that you know it's just been the influx of these young guys that they're they're doing this on an everyday day in day out basis is just remarkable of of just I keep saying the maturity but I don't know how else to say it Bronx I've never seen young guys come in and just instantly just take off and develop and and they're leaders of of the team now too I mean Vado's taking a, a back seat basically
1: yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And it, it, it all comes down to the production on the field. When you mm-hmm. produce on the field, you feel confident enough to walk in the locker room and speak your mind, right? And people right, will right. follow suit and and when you also, you know, the game has gotten younger and younger and younger and we've taken out some of the hazing. Back when I got called up, the locker room was probably an average of 31 years old. Now mm-hmm. the average locker room is probably like 24. And so right. when when I got called up, they made you feel like you were a rookie for a long right. time. I'm talking like 3 years. And they made mm-hmm. you feel like you couldn't really step out of that shell and kind of voice your opinion and really kind of contribute to the team in in any other way except in what you were doing on the field. And these days, a lot of that stuff has gone away. So when a guy comes into a locker room and he immediately feels comfortable, he immediately has success on the field, and people are giving you kudos for hitting that home run and still having some swag with it and not making you feel like there's something wrong with you because you're showboating a little bit, all those things contribute to having a younger type of player feel comfortable and have success at the big league level
0: yeah exactly i thought it was funny the other day that uh you know we talked about joey Votto coming out of a show or whatever so ellie de la cruz every time the reds win or whatever he pulls his jersey out and tugs and flips his hat backwards and then right. Vado did, did the same thing the other day 10 years ago Votto would have never done that i mean that's just the stuff that, that's how it's changed here and, and you talked about uh, the i don't want to say technology but uh the, there's assistance for uh, the assistant assistant you know they got all kinds of different things now compared to when, when you first broke in. but the thing is that I, I think a lot of um, baseball fans are, I guess, old guys like me. And you talked about it here a couple times, pitching 200 innings. That was, you know, that's, that was your goal to do that. I don't think that's necessarily a goal now for, for – well, I don't well, – it could be a goal, but guys aren't going to do that on a consistent basis, I don't think, anymore. Is that – in your opinion, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing, or are they, they babying these pitchers a little bit too much?
1: You know, it's not coming from an angle of baby in the pitchers these days. It's coming from the fact that they feel like their bullpens are so strong with so many guys throwing 95 to 100. And also there's some statistics of the game that tell you certain things. The way the way that you play blackjack, right, and you and you and you, you stand on your 13 when the dealer's showing a six right. um, is the same way that they know now that if it's second and third and we put a bunt down, we score less runs than if we swing the bat, right? It, right. These, these numbers have been run through the machine enough now to know. And so – Guys are being pulled out in times when you, when traditionally you'd want to leave them in the game. But I would say for my money, um, the teams that are going to win a World Series every year are going to have two or probably three guys who have the ability to get through the sixth inning and into the seventh inning more often than other teams. You, I don't believe you can win a World Series with a staff of guys who are always going five innings. Right. Um, yeah. So for me, you know, I think, but if you look at a guy like Abbott, who just came up and obviously he's off to a crazy hot start, but I still, if you watch the way he pitches, I think a guy like that has the ability to get close to 200 innings in a season, right? I mean, it used to happen 40 to 50 times every year. And it's only happening about six or seven times in all of baseball, the guys for 200 innings, you know, I did that almost 10 years in a row. And it's, it's merely the fact it's not the player that can't do it. It's the fact that he's not having the opportunities, but I think, the pendulum is swinging back in the opposite direction a little bit. I think you're seeing a Cincinnati Reds team play better baseball by not trying to hit homers. People aren't talking about swinging up on the ball anymore. You know, I think that people will realize that a guy throwing 92 to 94 can be more successful than the guy throwing 95 to 100 because he's craftier. He's got an idea how to pitch. He can some energy for later in the game and he gets out with less. And I think that you're going to see more and more of that over the next decade. And I really think you're going to get your best um, your best baseball of the blend of the two. I think that the pendulum had swung in one direction a little too far. You know, today I was watching Wimbledon, and they were talking about now instead of saying how many winners guys are hitting, they're talking about how many errors they make. Right. And when you see the best players in the world like Djokovic play, they make no errors. And yes. that's the consistency that you're looking for. And I believe – that the, the the not strike not having a ton of strikeouts and not hitting a bunch of homers is actually a good thing, and you'll squeeze that consistency down into the middle of the road.
0: I think it's a great thing. I mean, I mean, when you you and me were kids, I mean, it was speed. I mean, it didn't have home runs, but it was speed, pitching, defense. You know, absolutely. And, and they got rid of the shift, which I mean, uh, the shift always drove me nuts. I'm like, just hit the ball down the other field here. Imagine a baseball player, but I sound like an old guy again. But I mean, the way they're playing right now, Bronson is. The, the, the baseball you me grew up with the, the speed the, the stealing the games but and what this team does is they put pressure on the other team's defense all the time and you yeah. see that consistently and this is what I'm like this is when baseball is fun everybody's like oh baseball is boring you know it's either swinging a miss or a home run look at the Reds it's not now you, you mentioned on here they grind out of bats they they take the extra base I mean though that's what made me fall in love with baseball. The way these guys are playing right now is so refreshing and it is so much damn fun to watch them right now compared to what we had to watch for the last 10, 10 years, you know, swing and miss or a home run. And it's just station to station baseball, man. These guys are taking off, you know, from the get go. I mean, they'll just steal first base if you, if you could, if you could. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: There's no doubt about it, man. It's, it's been fun. And it's, it's kind of a, in a weird way, you know, we constantly live in a society where everything is bigger, faster, bigger, faster, bigger, faster. And you're constantly, thinking that just because somebody throws harder, you know, I mean, we've been talking about it, not even in this generation, we've been talking about it in every generation. Why are we constantly obsessed with the radar gun? Right. And in a lot of ways we we get obsessed with, you know, can a guy like Willie Mopane hit the ball 450 feet, but it doesn't mean anything if you strike out 200 times a year. Right. And so it's a beautiful thing to watch the game be played the right way. And I think that this is just opening Pandora's box in a way for people to realize that you want to compete in the game. You've got to be versatile. You've got to be able to steal bases. You've got to be able to do the the small the small things as well as the big things, you know. And and having the two put together is what'll win you a championship.
0: And, and bronze, that's what's so amazing about your career. You were never a guy who was a radar guy. I mean, he, I mean, I, I, if I'm wrong, you, did you have a a a, a fastball or a, or a hundred mile an hour fastball when you were younger before you became a, no. a red? No. Yeah, so you were you were always a guy that was playing pitching with your mind is the way I always I always looked at it. Like right because you. Drop down, different different arm angles, different issue. A thinking man pitcher that I think they're starting to get back to a little bit of.
1: Yeah, I like you know, like I said, I mean, there's there's a ton of guys in the game right now that can throw 95 to 100, and all they have is a fastball with 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 mediocre command and a breaking ball with even less command. You know, a slider that goes kind of down. That's really they're kind of like two pitch pitchers. They're they're basically. You know, that, that's what you consider a relief pitcher in the seventh and eighth and ninth inning back in the old days. And they're, they're pulling these guys into the rotation. And for my money, I'll take in his prime a Zach Grinke any day. I'll take Clayton Kershaw any yeah. day. I'll take yeah. these guys through 92 to 94, have an idea how to pitch like Abbott. And I will take them over a 10-year period and eat your lunch. And <laughs> if you keep, keep throwing out guys who just, you know, have command problems because they're throwing really hard, you know, those guys – are not going to be able to consistently do it
0: year in and year out. Now that's one thing that that, that the is exciting for me with this Red Steam. And this is one thing I thought was going to be more of the story this year. At the beginning, it was the three pitchers: Hunter Green, Abbott, and and Lodula. I thought those are going to be the story. I, I, me and my son talked talking before the season started. said, so I think it, depending on how good the season it goes, depending on how three all three of them pitch. Didn't know about Abbott. Now we got four of them. But I mean, all uh, the other three and, and Ashcraft have been hurt. It looks like hopefully he's back to being the Ashcraft of old. But just the future-wise, if all four of these guys can actually pitch on a consistent basis like it looks like they have potential. Bronson, this is like the the Atlanta Braves of the early 90s when they had Steve Avery. That's why I always remind, remind everybody Steve Avery was a really good pitcher. And they had four of these guys. The The future is very bright for these guys. What, what's your thoughts on just the four pit, uh, four starting pitchers, four starting young Reds pitchers that they have?
1: Well, like, like you said, I was saying the same thing before the season started. They're only going to go as far as, um, the starting, you know, three will take them and, you know, the starting, the starting three has been kind of, you know, hurt a little bit, been up and down, had some really good moments and really just ha- hasn't definitely hasn't dominated the game from front to back. But what you couldn't account for is that the offense that they were going to put up yes. with guys that we didn't know about that were in the pipeline. Right. And so that has changed the trajectory of this team completely. And they're winning ball games with mediocre pitching and putting up six runs every night. Right. And that that doesn't happen. A lot. It hasn't happened much here. Hardly ever. Right. It does happen to like Yankee teams. It's happened to Red Sox teams, right? Where you see the pitching staff is mediocre, and then the offense pulling the weight. That's been so, so um, kind of at odds with what we're used to here. That um, you've kind of forgot about the starting pitching a little bit. But you're right. If those guys can all come back, Ladolo and Hunter can come back healthy. If Ashcraft will get back on track and and be like he was all last year and the beginning of this season. You got a chance to really put the whole package together. You know, I think, um, you know, the playoffs would be, you know, they get to the playoffs would be very interesting to see if this lineup could handle the best, the right. aces of the game. Because right. I will say they're putting up six runs every night, but they're putting it up against against a little bit weaker pitching than you would face in the playoffs, right? Oh, yeah. You oh, saw what yeah. Clayton Kershaw did to them. If you're facing two number ones of the game, it'd be very interesting to see what this lineup can do. But it, it, it's definitely exciting, and it's giving them some breathing room to not have to depend on starting pitching so much. Right. And that is fun because when you can win ball games and your guys are still putting up a five ERA, you know, it feels like, Hey, we can walk into anybody's house and we still got a chance.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And Bronson, you've been up 47 minutes. I, I could keep talking to you for- forever. I-, I don't mean to hold you, hold you up anymore, but real quick, do you give any better crap now that the Reds are good and the Cubs aren't so good now? Cause you know, Ed- Ed- a Cubs fan. So yeah, you got you to dig him a little bit, right?
1: <laughs> That's true. I've I'm- I'm actually, de- I've never dug at him for his baseball, man. He might be, you know, Guys, guys that are musicians, man, about their, about their sports, they're more serious than, than than we are about our sports, man. He might be a little soft if I poke at him too much <laughs> <for his body. laughs> but I will say, you know, David Ross being the manager, man, it's like uh, that yeah, was one of did. his favorite players of all time. So he's 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 probably in his ear. He he's the one that should be calling David Ross and telling him like, what's going on, man? I'm getting rid by my friends here. I gotta, I'm standing off the side of the stage asking what the score is, and you guys are always in the in the in the negative. <laughs>
0: Either you know, way, I love it because uh, for years, the last couple of years, the cubs have kicked their butt. So yeah. I'm sorry. I'm happy they're losing. I'm happy where, where you're at. Bronson, I appreciate it, man. This has been so much fun. Anything you want to plug or uh, tell about your album where they get that again before I let you go?
1: Yeah, I think if you, you know, if you want to pick up an album, some are signed, some are not. It's in the Game U shop, it's in, in, at the Red Stadium or the Hall of Fame shop. Um, there's vinyl records, a beautiful piece of art that my drummer actually did that. The guy on the front of the album, um, some might say is the record, and uh, other than that, 15th and 16th is the induction and uh if you want to check the bronson arroyo band facebook page if you want to see us playing locally around town we played last night up in green field um indiana to about 4,000 people for fourth of july and uh, the band is sounding really oh. good if you like Pearl jam nirvana you know bruce springsteen and some tom petty man come out and see us sometime
0: i was front 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 row there in uh, february at the pirate Center. it was a lot of fun i appreciate it all right brought we'll to do this again sometime man thanks for joining the show all right, Jeff. Thanks, man. See you, buddy. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Bronson is an awesome dude. Like I said, go if you got a chance to go watch and play. Go watch and play. It is an absolute awesome experience. Uh, I, like I said I had I had a ton of fun. I'm so happy for him to be able to to go into the Hall of Fame. Um, and like he said, it, it couldn't happen at a better time. The team is playing well. Uh, they're in first place. Again, it's a big series coming up. When he gets inducted, the the Brewers will be in town. So. I mean, it's, it's, like I guess said a couple times there, it's a lot of fun being a Cincinnati sports fan right now for, for yeah. once. For once, it's pretty fun being a, being a, uh, being a, a fun, uh, fun time being a oh yeah, Cincinnati fan. Anyway, guys, let me get to the uh, Facebook groups. They let me live stream and I appreciate every single one of them as I move my camera. <laughs> There's my window. Let me see if I'm move it back. Uh, there we go. All right. They are Houda Nation, Houda Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Rackle Reds, the, Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar thing. Follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at IceMan90. I'll be pulling off the sound later on, night. put it on the podcast. It's be on BeanPod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Play. Pretty much where you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Leave you a know, comment and a five-star review. I greatly appreciate it. So, more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. YouTubers, you guys are awesome. I'm up to 2,233 subscribers, as always. There's no way in hell Bronze Aurora would want to come on the show if you guys didn't watch. So, I appreciate you guys watching, supporting the show. Like I said, it's just me, you know? So, if you guys can tweet out the show, uh, tell your friends about it, uh, I'd appreciate it. That would be awesome. And, uh, Tomorrow, I think I got Coach Cam on tomorrow. I gotta look it up, but we'll be probably discussing some Bengals, some Reds. Who knows? The Reds are taking on the uh, Washington Nationals again tonight at 7:30. So I'll be listening to that as I drive to the airport uh, to Indianapolis to go pick up my wife and daughter. They are finally coming back from vacation. Everything. I take vacations a lot. My wife and daughter were still on vacation, so I'll be doing that tonight and listening to the Reds game. Hopefully, go for a sweep against the Washington Nationals. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great day. And remember. That's your sports, baby. See ya!